Tonight, David Menzies Unplugged. Hide your wives, hide your daughters. It's the Menzoid. It's New Year's Eve, and this is the Ezra Levant Show. Why should others go to jail Why? when you're a biggest carbon consumer I know? There's 8,500 customers here, and you won't give them an answer. You come here once a year with a sign, and you feel morally superior. The only thing I have to say to the government for why I publish it is because it's my bloody right to do so. Well, Happy New Year is the last show of 2018, and what a busy year it's been. What an exciting year. We have done so many shenanigans in 2018, and God willing, we'll have even more in 2019. And one of the guys, when I say shenanigans, you say <laughs> David Menzies, and he's joined us now. How you doing? Oh, I'm doing great. What a uh, year, eh? 2018. Yeah. Oh, well, you had a great wow. year. You had some of our most fun stories. <laughs> Thank you. And we've asked... Uh, our top talent, talking to some of our other rebels uh, over the Christmas break, for three of their most interesting or diverse or fun vids of the year. You know, I was just checking, and we have produced nearly 11,000 videos since the rebel was born. It's, it, it's a lot. Incredible. And you've done hundreds and hundreds of those. And so I have here a list of three favorites. Yeah, I'd say favorites. Like, not all stories are good news stories. Yes. This first one I'd like to ask you about is, um, I want you to set it up for us. It was a terrible, terrible event, a mass shooting by a Muslim extremist yep. in the Toronto Danforth. And I say those things not based on speculation, but rather on what the police filed with the judge for their information to obtain a search warrant. And although the rest of the mainstream media says, oh, it's mental illness, yeah. that's not what the police report says. Yeah, no. So tell us a little bit more about the Danforth shooting. And it's a very somber thing, but you had a, I'm not going to call it a funny event, but a, uh, it's a very serious matter, but a video that came out of it was lighthearted. Set up the, the story a little bit. Well, I'll tell you, Ezra, I, I don't think we still know the full story of what happened no, on the Danforth. And I don't see much of the mainstream media asking the really tough questions and pressing ahead. But, but that's another story. I mean, Danforth, for those people outside Toronto that aren't familiar with it, it's a beautiful street full of restaurants and pubs and boutiques, you know, bookshops. And, and it's Greek town. That's the an important part of it. It's that's the Greeks. Right. It is. It's, and it's very Greek Christian. If you want Suvlaki, that's where you go in Toronto. And in the aftermath of the shooting, actually, it was your uh, story suggestion, and uh, it was perfect timing given what happened. We went out to gauge the reaction of Torontonians at this makeshift memorial that had mm -hmm. sprouted up near a fountain on the Danforth. And the thing about, you know, uh, people say, you know, what is it like doing streeters? I liken it to fishing. You go out in the dory, and you put your line in the ocean, and maybe you'll get a minnow. Maybe you'll get something, you know, half decent. Maybe there's no fishing. Well, lo and behold, this woman comes along and to use the fishing analogy, Ezra, something's tugging on the line and it turns out to be a trophy blue marlin, right? <laughs> and it was like, um, if you went to central casting and said, set as a caricature left wing nut bar, yeah. right? And if they sent her, you'd go, no, too extreme. Yeah, too it, much. It, People it's won't just, believe yeah, it. Yeah, it, but she was, uh, she's actually a teacher with the Toronto District School Board. And what ensued was this incredible 
um, it, it wasn't. It was less of a, a, a dialogue and more of a monologue on her that we shouldn't be here. We shouldn't be asking questions. That we have to leave. That this is her community. And then it gets. And then the more you delve into it, it turns out that um, she doesn't like capitalism. She, she's a socialist. Um, she, she had her her kids in tow. She was at one point using profanity. She. They wanted to go so badly, and she was forcing them to stay to watch her fight. You know, I. I got this vibe, uh, Ezra, that, you know, the poor little kids, um, here we are on Danforth, and, and maybe a few weeks ago, she walked into a butcher shop and was screaming at the butcher for, you know, not having enough vegan alternatives. <laughs> and the kids, you could see that resigned look in their face. Oh, no, mom's gone <laughs> off her rocker again. And, uh, you know, what you can't really see uh, what's happening off camera is that it's a deluge of rain. And I was soaked to the bone, but I ain't leaving. Yeah. I, I'm there yeah, to the it was CB Gold. I have to say, um, it was remarkable. She was incredible. We're going to show it in about 30 seconds. <laughs> but what stood out to me, David, and I'm, I, I've told you this before, and I'll say it to the world, your self-control <laughs> and your good humor in the face of this kook is uh, a form of discipline I wish I had over myself because I would not have been able to keep a civil tongue in my mouth and you were a hero. Enough uh, prologue. <laughs> Let's look at the clip and run as much of this as you can because this is, this is something to behold. Run as much of it as you can. The Rebel is a racist source of news. Because we're asking people their opinion of a mass shooting? Why? And the mass, what does the mass shooting have to do with a man that, like, come on. Come on, man. What does it have to do with a man who you f didn't finish that sentence? Why should I need to? Because well, I'm trying to understand what you're saying, ma'am. about ISIS. Thasia, stop. Uh, no, we're not going home. We're not going home. We're going for ice cream. This is a community thing. We're here to take back our community. And this, you are not my community. You can leave now. Oh, this is your sidewalk? This you is your what? property? This is about peace. This is about my community taking back my community and not being racist. Ma'am, you're the one that's raising race. You're the one yelling. You raised ISIS as a factor. No, I said CBS in the U.S. is reporting. Propagating racist values. That is exactly. This is our community. Yeah. U.S. doesn't know anything about this community. So this, this, this is Danforth. This is our here. city. Okay. This is our city. We, here's here. the thing. What, what, I need to not be here. Based on based on whose authority? Based on my authority, because I live here. Do you? Okay. Do you? What, you live right on this spot. I'm on private property. Do you live here? And that gives you the right to tell people to leave. Capitalist mentality. Is it my property? No, but this is my community. This well, happens. We live in a capitalist society, don't yes, we? We do, unfortunately. Unfortunately. Yes, very. You prefer a communist society? I prefer socialist society. Yes, I do. Like in Venezuela, perhaps. No. North not. Korea. It, oh my God. Really? Cuba. Wow. Wow. I'm, I'm naming all the. I'm naming all the socialists. Descending into your own hell right now. Listen. Oh, these are hell holes. I agree with you. Oh, hell holes. Now you're quoting Trump. Lovely. That was perfect. Perfect. I Actually, hope he did a different kind of hole. Quoting, quoting Trump is the best thing you could have ever done for yourself. Way to go. That was priceless. Now you're done. Here. Way to go. Now I'm done here. here. It's priceless. He is now done here. <laughs> oh, David, you kept your cool and you were quick on your feet. Oh. I salute you and her poor kids. Oh, yeah. Can we go? No. No.
And I almost forgot about her accomplice, who's become known in the comment section as Somalian Batman. <laughs> um, you know, it was absolutely surreal. And but you know, the way it ended, you know, Ezra, it was kind of on a somber note. Where here she is standing in the pouring rain, and she made mention of calling the police. I remember and, that. Yeah. yeah, and and it was. Oh, like, we didn't play the whole thing. I, you know, folks, find it online. You gotta <laughs> watch the whole. She says she's gonna call the cops on David. It's and, amazing. And it's just really for asking questions on a public sidewalk. And just to, you know, um, some time has passed since then. In fact, ISIS did lay claim to the attack. Yes. And the police information to obtain. This is a sworn affidavit filed in with a judge to get the search warrant. Talked about all the uh, weapons magazines found in his house. Talked about the secret trip he went to Pakistan yep. with his dad that his mom lied about and said, oh, no, 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 no. He's never gone to Pakistan. They interviewed the mom and dad separately. Yes. The dad said, oh, yeah, I went with him. Mom says, no, yeah. no, no. Yeah. Never been to Pakistan. I mean, yeah. clearly a lying family. So many lies. The guy had, what, eight different cell phones and other devices? Eight? This, there's a lot going on here. Oh, yeah. You were the only one and, and our channel that's come close, and Joe Warmington of the Sun that's come close to talking about the truth of it. Warmington get, did a great job. And let's not forget, too, Ezra, how long it took, how many, almost a full day before the police released the name. Even I'm sure they were scrubbing his social media. That's my theory. But what I do know is that they made a fake family statement. Yes, they hired a spin master, and I still don't understand the point A to B process, Ezra. Yeah. Here you have this carnage, this mass murder on the Danforth, and somehow the authority, somebody behind the curtain said, you know what, we better get so-and-so to write up a statement about, you know, we grieve for Toronto, in perfect English, yeah. that the family is not capable of speaking about, and stressing the mental illness part. Yeah, which, which was not true. Yeah. Um, that ITO shows that there was no mental illness at all, the information to obtain I'm referring to. Um, since when is the murderer given this PR support as opposed to the victims? Oh, um, I, I can never remember this. Yeah. And it was it, an incredible and a shameful scene. Yeah. And that woman absolutely was on the side of ISIS. Absolutely. Yep. And she yep. hated it. And I say that not, I'm not saying that she would support an ISIS murder. But she would defend an act of, here's what I mean by that. She would defend an act of ISIS terrorism from your questions because that to her is less awful than you mentioning ISIS. That's what I mean. I'm not saying that woman believes in murder, or, but I'm saying she would rather defend everything than have you be able to say it was an ISIS. But indirectly, Esther, isn't she saying that by saying, I don't care about ISIS, think yeah. of what ISIS stands for. Every principle that she believes in, yeah. in terms of being a far left progressive, is what ISIS hates. Oh, she would be she would uh, be thrown in a burqa first of all for showing that much skin. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, I mean, she would. I'm sorry, she would. They, they were forced to wear burqas there. That's right. Uh, I, I wasn't even making a joke. I mean, oh. her, her entire lifestyle yeah. uh, would be ended. And yeah, that was that was an incredible. Uh, <laughs> Surprise, like you say, you go fishing with the streeters, you never know when you're going to catch. <laughs> All right, I want to move on to the next one because this is another streeter thing you did with a different class of Torontonian. Um, you know, American Democrats, if Toronto were, had a, were part of the Electoral College, it would vote Democrat every time. Yes. You know, um, I think Alberta would vote Republican and maybe Saskatchewan, and the rest of Canada would vote for Democrats. And Toronto has always been an honorary American city for Democrats doing fundraisers. Yep. Um, and so it was that Bill and Hillary Clinton came to Toronto 
expecting to sell out a huge arena yep. at huge ticket prices as part of their you know, annual fundraising milk run. But it was actually, I mean, I'll let you introduce this clip and then you can throw to it. It was that Clinton magic was gone. It was a disaster for them. It, it was. And, you know, we we went down there. We, we did the streeters with the attendees because we thought what was really relevant, especially with the Clintons coming to town and Bill's part of that entourage, is we are now in the Me Too movement era. So... They have yet, they have not apologized to Monica Lewinsky, and it wasn't just a matter of sexual harassment, it was also the uh, position of power he yeah, was the in. President in terms and of, versus an intern. Exactly. And, and you just reverse those roles. If that was a Republican president, you know, even if it happened almost 20 years ago, uh, there would be a, a crucifixion. And people were literally running away from the answer or trying to somehow justify it. Yeah. it. It was perverse. Let's take a look. Tell me, in this day and age of the Me Too movement, why do you think Bill Clinton has yet to apologize to Monica Lewinsky? No, no, no we're oh, fine, we're, we're fine. <laughs> we're done no, no, move. No, no, no. What, what happened? <laughs> what did I say? <laughs> hey guys, are you here to see the Clintons? Yeah, yeah what brings you out, ma'am? Oh, just, uh, we're interested in watching them. Oh, okay then. Say, listen, we're wondering, in this Me Too era, how come they haven't apologized to Monica Lewinsky yet? No comment. Say, guys, are you coming to the uh, Clinton event? We are, we are. Okay, what brings you out to see them, sir? Well, we just would rather admire them, that's all. Oh, They're very okay. good. So. What makes you admire the Clintons? Well, I think Bill Clinton was one of the best presidents they ever had. Okay. You know, he's a very smart man. Okay. Did a great job. I think his wife would have done a great job, too, if <laughs> that other guy hadn't shown up. <laughs> Tell me, sir, in this day and age of the Me Too movement, why do you think Bill Clinton has yet to apologize to Mon Monica Lewinsky? I don't. No opinion there. No opinion? No. No? Okay. He said a line when he got caught years ago, and they said, why did you do it? And he said, because I could. Now, I don't think that that's acceptable, and I don't think that's the right thing. Um, I think it's, it's a bit of the white male thinking he has the power and that he should be, be allowed to have that, that ability because of his position. I'm disappointed he's never... Um, apologize, but I did like his politics. I thought he was a good president. I appreciate that he balanced the budget. I think he was he was a great leader. On his personal things, those are things that he has to work out. By the way, ma'am, you mentioned he's a white male. What does race have to do with uh, misbehavior? Uh, not misbehavior. I think it's more, my view is just watching what's going on in the United States, that there's almost a fear of the white male losing their power. You know, I look at how they, they approach Obama. I look at how they've approached a, a woman going into the presidency, and it's almost like the white male's afraid. That's just really weird, the white males. This happened before Obama. That's just such a weird excuse. But, you know, it's amazing the length that liberals will go to to excuse rapey behavior. Like, I mean, yeah. Monica Lewinsky was uh, a sexual, a predator, although you could say it was consensual, although, as you pointed out, uh, there was an enormous power imbalance. Yes. But Bill Clinton has also been very credibly accused of rape by Juanita Broderick, Correct. for example, Kathleen Wiley. Uh, of course, he was disbarred and paid a huge fine and settlement to um, to other women, uh, yep. including one uh, woman in Arkansas. Yeah. And uh, so it's not, so his consensual affair with a minor, or not a minor, with a with an intern, is the least of it. He, yep. uh, but it, but just like Teddy Kennedy. Yeah. Just like. 
Harvey Weinstein, the great feminist Hollywood filmmaker, just like Gian Gameshi, the women's studies CBCer, the liberals will always make excuses, even for Justin Trudeau, yep. who groped, sexually groped, a young woman named Rose Knight yep. in Creston, BC in August of 2000. Well, he's a liberal. You know, um, he wins brownie points with us for being so feminist, so we can get him, get a, let him get away with being a little gropey. Yeah, and in Trudeau's case uh, too, Ezra, it's uh, a learning experience, not not for him, mind you, for all of us, for, for for all men out there. No, it's clearly a double standard. And you know what I can't stomach. You know, I did go to a scalper to buy tickets, not because the event was sold out. In fact, according to one source, they only sold 16.6 percent capacity of Scotiabank Arena, where the Leafs play. Um, but just because because on a clear conscience, I didn't want to add more revenue. And can you actually call a scalper a scalper if you're getting tickets at 60% off face value? But I go in there, and one of the last questions that the moderator, who was embarrassing, Frank McKenna, the yes. old liberal, uh, was about, tell us again about Bill meets Hillary. Yeah. And you know, and it was funny, some of the women in the audience, they were swooning at this, and I'm thinking, this isn't a chick flick. This is monster chiller horror theater. He's a serial adulterer. He fools around. And, and I, despite everything on the public record, Ezra, I don't know how this man gets a pass. I mean, you mentioned it yourself that, you know, even being accused of rape, for goodness yeah. sakes, these women should be booing him. Yeah. I remember the name of that uh, woman in Arkansas, Paula Jones was yes. her name. Yeah. Huge payout. Um, it's the same way the left talks about minorities. They love minorities, unless a minority dares to be a conservative. Yeah. And then you'll never see anyone more vicious. The way they went after Clarence Thomas. Yes. The way they go after Kanye West, yep. who dared to deviate from the left-wing Hollywood or, or music scene. Um, They'll call them an Uncle Tom. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's incredible. Well, you know what? Those streeters are just quite something. Um, I'm glad that even in liberal Toronto, that place was 80% empty. I'm sure they lost a lot of money. Oh, yeah. Bill and Hillary don't come cheap. Frank McKenna, by the way, paid uh, through the TD Bank. Um, I, I was researching this. TD Bank paid more to the Clinton Foundation for their speeches than any other bank, even more than Goldman Sachs did. They paid, I think it was $1.8 million, I, whereas the Goldman Sachs were only paying like half a million. For I speeches. wish you hadn't told me that because I'm a TD customer. Yeah. I got to rethink so you, my banking. you helped pay for Bill and Hillary. Oh, and the most outrageous thing out of his mouth, by the way, as when he was not knocking off all his accomplishments, he turned the clock back to 1995, the whole separatist you know, uh, movement in Quebec when they were having the vote for the second time. And uh, Frank McKenna noted that just days before the referendum, Bill Clinton paid a visit to Canada and he turned the tide. Oh my so, uh, Ezra, hand up to God, so we have you to thank for Canadian Confederation. And I thought, what? I was around then. How did I miss this story? You know what? <laughs> As liberals go, I like Frank McKenna. He's pro-oil pipeline, pro-business. Yeah. I thought he was an excellent ambassador to the States. But, uh, but that's he, a little rich. Yeah, he's just too much part of the Clinton... Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to say mafia because that implies that Frank himself is a crook, and I don't yeah. think he is. Cult. He just thought that, well, an investor. Okay. He was an investor <laughs> in the Clintons. <laughs> when you put more than a million bucks of TD's money into the Clintons, yeah. you've got such a big stake in the Clintons, <laughs> you want to prop them up even when they're discredited because you, you've poured a lot of the bank's money into them. Right. TD Bank threw, poured a lot of money into the Clintons, and he wants to salvage that. And maybe there was a business case for it. Look, the Saudis put in $25 million. 
hmm. into the Clintons. Um, the Russians put in over a hundred million, depending on how you count, and Hillary Clinton served up uranium one of them. So I bet you that uh, it was smart business to invest in the Clintons, but the, in, in the case of her presidential run, it didn't pan out. Let me get to the one last video, and this is one of your more recent excursions, uh, further than Danforth Avenue or the <laughs> Scotiabank Center. We sent you on short notice to Mexico, but not to any tourist joint. No. Not to Cancun or Puerto Vallarta or any of the nice places. We sent you to Oaxaca. <laughs> in, and <laughs> I heard about some of the places that you and our cameramen stayed, and I'm just glad to say it was you and not me. Oh, Ezra. <laughs> but, but you know what? It was, I, I don't care if we had to sleep in a tent, uh, because that was a very important story to cover, because, you know, people will deride us for, you know, getting on the fake news bandwagon and saying, nope, that's fake news, that's not true. But I have proof of it. I've seen it with my own eyes. When we were down there, I, I think at one point, uh, Susan Ormiston of the CBC went down there, and she reported that when the caravan was around 5,000 people, which was about the number when we were there, it peaked at 7,000, then about 2,000, you know, took up Mexico's offer to hang around Mexico. She had said, she had written that quoting UN sources, 2,300 uh, of the caravan uh, population was comprised of children. And to which I said, uh, that would be an accurate statement if your definition of a child is someone under 35 as opposed to 18. That is an absolute outrageous lie. Uh, we saw it ourselves, the camera doesn't lie, 90% of those people in the caravan were what I would call economic migrants, and they were young, able-bodied males. Yeah. This side, but it's funny. Whenever um, the cameras are around, whenever the caravan goes up against the wall in Tijuana, like they did recently at the end of the line, suddenly women and children go to the front. I yeah. mean, the camera makes it look like it's all women and yeah. children, right? But 2,300. And I'm sorry if the CBC was there on the ground. Why didn't they go to the UN and go, ah, you know, this 2,300 figure, uh, not panning out, that's not what we're seeing. And it makes me wonder, are, do leftists, Ezra, have a trouble with mathematics? Mm -hmm. Because in the Trump election campaign, when he was having those rallies, oh, empty seats galore, and mm -hmm. it's standing room only. Yeah. I'm just getting sick and tired when you can see an image that refutes this kind of reporting, that they continue this narrative that when it's Trump supporters, hardly anybody around folks, and when it's a caravan of migrants, Oh, think of the children, which yeah. are almost 50%. Well, that's the thing. Whenever we go on the ground, just the basic facts prove that what the mainstream media tells us is quite often unreliable, sometimes accidentally, yep. but often as a purposeful campaign-style lie. And I would put the CBC in that camp. Without further ado, let's take a look at some of your clips from Mexico. Yet in the five days in which we've been following the caravan, a narrative has emerged Essentially, this is less about a caravan and more about a leftist organized foreign funded invasion of the U.S. What else can it be? Yes, these people, for the most part, are not criminals. Yes, these people are not armed, yet they are moving en masse, uninvited and are planning to enter a country illegally. If that is not the textbook definition of an invasion, I don't know what is. And when President Trump mobilizes thousands of troops to secure the border and perhaps even shut down the border, well, what this is really about 
is saving American jobs, protecting American citizens, and even ensuring American sovereignty. Because as we've seen in so many other places around the globe, a country with no border controls is really not very much of a country at all. You know, looking at that footage again, like that, that last image of this huge semi-trailer type truck with about 20 young men about to jump in the back. Yeah. First of all, that proves a lie that it's half women and children. Yeah. Second of all, and you said that when you first, you had to catch, you had to find the caravan first. Yep. You landed, you had to search for it and catch up to it. You said you passed a truck on the highway, a big semi-trailer that had stacks and stacks and stacks of portable toilets on it. Yep. And it wasn't until later that you put that together. This is a part of the logistical convoy because these people were not walking. They would walk a bit, yep. but they were on trucks, they were on buses, they were on trailers. You can't move five, 7,000 people at that speed on foot. What about the food? What about the drinks? What about the doctors? What about uh, organizers? What about yeah. shelter? This was an enormous infrastructure undertaking and the mainstream media never asked the question, Who's paying for this? Who's organizing it? 100%. And Ezra, what you just said, portable toilets, they don't come cheap. You know, that, that's a major, you know, rental. Well, for 7,000 people. Yeah. You know, it, it really is. And, you know, it, it was almost, uh, there was a, a, a couple of surreal elements to this uh, caravan. First of all, um, when they'd come into towns, there was almost um, a receptive welcoming of them. But it was on the caveat that A, this is temporary, 24 hours at most. B, we don't want uh, a mob that's 90% young, tired, hungry, thirsty men, because you know what happens if we don't feed and shelter and give them water, we're gonna have trouble. So that was kind of, so it was kind of like, you know, oh, look at this um, wonderful welcoming committee. Yeah, that, w that only lasted until they got to the end of the road, you know, uh, Tijuana, where at one point, um, you know, riot police had to separate the locals from these people yeah. because they were getting tired of them overstaying their welcome. And it was also funny too, I mean, I, I don't know how many of our viewers uh, watch the uh, AMC uh, show Walking Dead, but at nighttime, that's what it felt like, this dystopian future where you had thousands of strangers just walking through the town at night, well, you know, just before they settled down for sleep. And uh, it, it was almost like it had the vibe, Ezra. I'm not trying to trivialize it, but like of a zombie apocalypse. You know, thousands of these strangers in your town under cover of night, just wandering around. And I thought it was very intimidating, but you know, what do I know? I mean, if you talk to the Jim Acostas of the world, I, you know, I'm surprised they haven't referred to this as the migrant parade. You know, I mean, like, you know, you know, a caravan. Hey, everybody loves Join a caravan. The you know, no, um, th there is a process for getting to the United States that thousands of people undertake every week, and that's applying legally, uh, hiring an immigration lawyer, sometimes at thousands of dollars, but that is the process. Mm. And if Donald Trump were to allow this caravan and the others that are now en route to Tijuana as well into America, Ezra, you know, every week there would be yeah. another caravan of migrants from all over the world. Yeah. You know, we'd have the Afghanistan uh, a migrant caravan, the Pakistan migrant caravan. They'd be coming from everywhere. If a country doesn't, you know, defend and maintain its borders, is it really a country in the truest sense of the word? Well, you were in Mexico, but it sounds like you're talking about the Canadian border just as much. That's uh, we it, it would be as if that migrant caravan came through to Canada times six, well, times seven, because that is exactly what's happened at Roxham Road. And you know what? Can I tell you something, Ezra? Uh, Ezra you've uh, hit the nail. 
I think the fatal flaw of this caravan is they didn't get on a plane, land in, you know, New York State, and go to Roxon Road and cross over because they're not going to receive a resistance. And instead, the, the Royal Canadian Bellhop Police yeah. are going to carry their, their belongings yeah. over. And they're in Lake Flynn here. Yeah. So uh, I think if they had to rethink this, uh, leapfrog the U.S. entirely and come into Canada to a welcoming arms of uh, the Justin Trudeau uh, liberals. Yeah. Well, very interesting. You've had a busy year, lots of interesting places. We didn't even talk about the Global, Global Migration Compact meeting in Morocco. Yes. 2019, I'm worried about it because I think everything's going to be dialed up a notch, especially in Canada, as Justin Trudeau heads into his re-election campaign and his poll numbers are weak. Yes. Um, people are upset about the carbon tax. Uh, people are worried about the economy, the pipelines, the GM plant in Oshawa. Um, the immigration issue is so hot that I think it helped tip the election in Quebec. Uh, they, they pledged 20% reduction in immigration, banning the burqa and the civil service. I think that's a big reason they won. I think Trudeau's going to lash out. He's mentioned the rebel by name in Parliament. Yes. I think he's going to try and push hard on his fake feminism, like Bill Clinton, push hard on the migrants, like this migrant caravan, and try and clamp down on his enemies like us. Yeah, and he's aided and abetted not only by the state broadcaster, the CBC, getting some 1.5 billion a year, Ezra, but also the 600 million dollars now going into the likes of uh, you know Post Media, uh, Globe and Mail, Toronto, you know Torstar Corporation. So uh, again, do you, you know, are these journalists going to bite the hand that feeds? There's definitely storm clouds on the horizon for Trudeau, but. Also, what makes me less than 100% optimistic of regime change is uh, a couple of factors. First of all, the NDP has flatlined yeah. under Jagmeet Singh. I mean, uh, you know, this guy is like the invisible man. Uh, they have had enormous trouble raising money uh, since he took over as the leader. And uh, therefore, if those having buyer's remorse with the Trudeau liberals, but they're not ready to go conservative, they might have to just stay where they are. Secondly, um, what What's happened with um, you know Andrew Scheer? I think there are millions of Canadians that want to support him, but they're waiting for him to grow a spine and yeah. say something, yeah. do something. And those people, I think, are being forced to support uh, Maxime Bernier and the People's Party of Canada because they just can't take you know this wishy-washy Mr. Dithers uh, or sorry, I was <laughs> using Paul, <laughs> Paul Martin's old nickname. I meant to mm. say Mr. Charisma in uh -huh. a facetious way. Yeah. And, and, you know, and like you, Ezra, um, Andrew Scheer and the Conservatives, I think, have a, a good solid 10 months to convince us, to, to, you know, make us supporters rather than doubters. But right now, you know, I ain't liking what I'm seeing. And when he shuts us out, you know, and by extension, our million plus YouTube subscribers mm -hmm. from the Halifax Convention, like he did this summer, mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, and, and yet the mean girls, as you like to call them uh, very aptly, uh, of the, the CBC and the Globe Mail, yeah, come on in. What kind of message is that sending? Yeah. Well, Listen, we'll do our job the best we can, and yeah. in my mind, that is reporting the news without fear or favor, giving our honest commentaries and shining a light of public scrutiny on things that the mainstream media either ignores or lies about. Yeah. I think that's one theme of all three of the clips we showed today. The mainstream media was in collusion with the authorities to shut up the facts of the Danforth shooting. And again, this is not a conspiracy theory. This is me having read the police department's information to obtain yep. affidavit. Um, on the Hillary Clinton, the mainstream media 
is covering for Justin Trudeau's Kokanee Grope yep. uh, in Creston, BC. And on the migrant issue, the mainstream media and 6% of Canadians want more immigration. 80% of Canadians want the same or less immigration. On all three of those issues, we stand with the people and we'll do our job to tell the other side of the story. Thanks for being part of the team, well, David. Well, thank you, Ezra. This has been the most exciting year of journalism in my life and uh, love The Rebel. And we are gonna continue fighting for our viewers uh, because we're really the last independent uh, you know, source of journalism left. We're not in anyone's pockets. Uh, we're not taking that bailout money. Even if it was offered, you on clear conscience would never accept it. And that's our role. We're, we're the watchdog, we're the umpire behind home plate. And that's what we're going to do in 2019. Yeah, right on. Well, okay. thank you for being part of the team. Thank you. And thank you to our viewers. Our last show for 2018. Hope you'll be with us for all of 2019 and beyond. It is because of you that we exist, as you know. Your $8 a month for this paywalled show is so important for us to pay our bills, including to keep David Menzies looking so sharp <laughs> with those fancy suits and ties. I'm kidding around. I'm kidding around. We're grateful that he's uh, on our team and we're grateful for your support. Until next year, on behalf of all of us here at Rebel World Headquarters, so you at home, good night and keep fighting for freedom.